Hallelujah. Let's give God glory and honor. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for victory in my family. Thank you for victory in my mind. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Somebody ought to give God praise here tonight. Somebody ought to shout and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. It feels good in the house of the Lord. Let's give him a little more praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. How many's got the victory in the house of the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands one more time in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. It's good to see everybody here on this Wednesday night. Amen. Bible study. So glad that everybody could come and could be in the presence of the Lord. I love what I feel in the house of God. How about you? Amen. How many enjoyed the tremendous preaching that we received over the last two weeks? Amen. I really do believe that God used Brother Puller, uh, really just ministered to us in the Holy Ghost. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to hear those messages, you want to go back and you'll want to listen to that and uh, download it onto your phone. We got it through SoundCloud, podcast, Facebook, YouTube. We got it all. Uh, you just go back and listen to that. And uh, there, there's some of those messages you got to go back and you got to hear it again and again. Just kind of put it in your pocket. I mean, especially what he preached to us this last Sunday, just talking about the pressure that God uses. Amen. Thank God for that. And uh, thankful for the Lord moving in those services. Amen. If you have your Bible, we're going to be turning open to the book of Genesis. Amen. The book of Genesis, chapter 29, and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the people of the east. Everybody say Jacob's journey. Amen. That's what we talked about in our last Bible study was Jacob's journey. You might recall that a couple verses before this one, God has encountered Jacob and he is in the presence of the Lord. And Jacob starts making, uh, the best way I could put it, futuristic commitments. Amen. Commitments that he's not ready to live today. Amen. He says, Lord, if you will, they're all conditional commitments and futuristic commitments. If you will do all of these things for me, then I will serve you. It's conditional surrender. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of people, that's about as far as people get in their walk with God, is that conditional commitment, that conditional surrender. And then that verse that we read, and so Jacob went on his journey. Everybody say his journey. Amen. That, there, that's, I think, a key of the narrative. He did not go on a, on a walk with God. He did not go on a journey with the Lord. And I've already talked about it before. God never left Jacob, but Jacob left the presence of the Lord to go on his own journey. And I've met a lot of people that do that. They, they get so wrapped up in what they want, in what they want to do right now, 
and uh, really what I call the will of me, that they go on their own journey thinking that they are doing what is best. But truth is they go off on, uh, as the Bible says in the book of Judges, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And the unfortunate side of this is for the next 20 years, Jacob ends up living with his uncle Laban. He gets married not just once but twice and, uh, and then ends up in other relationships that uh, we, we don't have time to talk about. But he ends up having a bunch of kids and he's got multiple marriages. And his life, it, it is not as pretty as it started out. It could have been a lot different if he would have just stayed in God's house and stayed with God instead of going on his journey. Laban, his father-in-law, tricked him, and when he should have gotten Rachel, he got Leah. Jacob was deceived just as he had deceived his father. Amen. What he had sown, he began to reap. That is a biblical principle we all have to be aware of. Everything we sow today, we are going to reap a harvest one day. Now, here's the good news about that. You can choose today what you will sow. If you want a better life tomorrow, today's the day you start sowing commitment. Today's the day you sow responsibility. Today's the day you sow in a prayer life. The Bible says those that sow in tears shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing the harvest with them. I want to tell you, if you today have been on your journey and you've been running from God, it is never too late to say, I'm done doing it my way. I'm done going the direction I think is best. You can start sowing good things in your ground. And everybody said, amen. So during this time, he's tricked of Laban. He's reaping what he sowed. Every, at every turn, Laban is, is tricking him and changing his wages. Amen. The Bible says that he changed his wages ten times. During this time, 11 sons and one daughter are born to him. And because of the deception of Laban, Jacob's home and his marriages were troubled. His kids were troubled. In fact, uh, once we get done with Jacob, we're going to move on to the children of Israel. We're going to talk about Joseph. Amen. All of that happened as a result of being deceived. Exactly what he had sown, he started receiving that. Jacob went on his journey, and it caused him all sorts of trouble. Amen. But I want to help everybody here today. God was still with Jacob. Just because Jacob went on his journey doesn't mean God left him alone. And just because Jacob decided to make decisions without God's help and without, without really consulting God does not mean that God left Jacob. Amen. But I want to help somebody here today. It does not mean that God condoned Jacob's behavior. Just because God allows you to get away with things and do things doesn't mean he agrees with it. Amen. Just because he lets you go, that is the point of free will and free choice. God lets you choose the direction you go, even if he doesn't agree with it. Amen. And, and that is one of the key uh, doctrines of the Bible. But God never left Jacob. God up upheld his part of the bargain. Jacob said, if you will do all these things, then one day I'll do this for you. God upheld his part of the deal. God blessed Jacob according to his word, and Jacob became a wealthy man in spite of all of the tricks of Laban. If you have your Bibles, the book of Genesis chapter 31. Laban keeps tricking Jacob, but God keeps blessing Jacob. Amen. Yeah, even though Jacob probably deserved it, God was still 
uh, putting a buffer. You know, there's, there's always a buffer of grace there for us. Genesis chapter 31, verse number, uh, verse number 1. And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld that the countenance of Laban was, behold, it was not toward him as it was before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Retor- return to the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Amen. Jacob was there in the midst of all of Laban's trickery. And God saw all the wrongs that had been done against Jacob. And because he knew, amen, that Jacob had made a commitment, even though he wasn't following through with it yet, he had made a commitment. God upheld his part of Jacob's deal. He was with him, and he blessed him in spite of the things that Laban had done. Amen. Romans 8 and 31 tells us, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I just want to remind somebody here today, if God has got your back, you don't need to worry about what other people do to you. Amen. If God be for you, no one can stand against you. And everybody said amen. Genesis 31 and verse number 20. So this is Jacob's plan. Amen. God's speaking to him. God's drawing him. But Jacob, without really consulting God and talking to God, he starts coming up again. It's still Jacob's journey. He's still still doing things his way. Amen. Verse 20. And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, in that he told him not that he had fled. So he fled with all that he had and rose up and passed over the river and set his faith toward Mount Gilead. And it was told to Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey. And they overtook him in the Mount of Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Take heed that thou speak not unto Jacob either good or bad. When Jacob realized that Laban was not favorable towards him anymore, and this is really the key, Jacob was favored by Laban as long as Laban was getting the benefit of the deal. As long as he got a hard worker, as long as he got a blessing, as long as he was the one receiving the benefits of Jacob's blessing. But over time, God had taken all of Laban's blessings and he had started to bestow it upon Jacob. And soon, Jacob started becoming a more wealthy man than his father-in-law. And his father-in-law started getting mad at him. You know, that's how some people are. They don't mind if you do good just as long as you never do better than they do. Amen. They don't mind if you're doing well just as long as you're not doing better than they are. you got to be careful of people like that. Amen. People that only love you when, you down, when you're down don't really love you. You need, to, you need to have some people in your life that love you when you're down but can also love you when God exalts you, when God blesses you, when God favors you. Hallelujah. You know what? Away with this, I need somebody to pray for me, but when they get done and you get blessed, they won't praise with you. Hallelujah. You don't just need a prayer partner. You need a praise partner. You need somebody that will celebrate when you're victorious. You need somebody that will celebrate with you, amen, when you get the job. You need somebody to celebrate with you when the debts are paid off. 
Hallelujah. You don't need people in your life. Amen. I want to tell you, people that will only be with you in the hard times, those are manipulators. They just want you to see them as being some spiritual thing. Amen. The Bible says it this way. Weep with those that weep. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Don't just weep with me if you won't rejoice with me. And don't just be with me when I'm down, but you got to be with me when I'm blessed and when I'm doing well. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise the Lord. Amen. This is actually a big deal. It's actually a big deal, especially in the church, because there's some folks that will be with you as long as you're not doing better than them. But the moment God moves you and changes your zip code to a nicer neighborhood, they got a problem with it. <laughs> you can drive as long as your car is not as nice as their car. As long as you got a hoopty with a heater, amen, they're going to be happy. But the moment, amen, that you step up in life, they're okay with you until you get, in, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling to preach right now. They're all good with you until you get educated. They're all good with you until, amen, you got to be careful of manipulators that want to keep you low and keep you down. And as long as you're reliant and dependent on them, I want to tell you, they're not God. God is God. And God will deal with them. God wants to bless you so you can get out of mom's house. God wants to bless you so you can get out of that broke place. God wants to bless you so you don't have to rely on other people. You know, that's, that's really how it is. Some people, they love you as long as you depend on them. But the moment you don't need them anymore, they get mad. Amen. The moment you just all of a sudden you, you're, you're blessed and you're doing well, uh, this is unfortunately, this is how it goes sometimes in family. Family's all good. They're there uh, for adversity. A brother is built for adversity. But the moment that you do well, they think, well, he thinks he's too good for us. It's like, no, I don't want to go to the party anymore. Amen. <laughs> uh, well, they think they're better than us. No, they just, they just let God bless them. And if you were smart, you would start to ask them questions. What are you doing to get so blessed? Amen. I want to tell you what kind of church ARC is going to be. We're going to be with people when they're weeping. If you're down, we're going we're gonna to weep with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to lift you up. Amen. If you come in and you are, you are unemployed, you are broke, we're going to love you. We're going to teach you. We're going to reach for you. That's a, I want to preach to somebody. That's the kind of church you're in. Amen. But I also want to preach, uh, amen, that if you start your business, we're going to rejoice with you. That if you get a new house, we're going to rejoice with you. We're, gonna, we're not going to be like Laban. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you, it's a, it is toxic for that to get into the church. I don't feel it here today. Praise God, but I just want to put it in the air. Amen. If that's the attitude you've got, somebody starts doing well, just leave them alone. Amen. It might be, you know, this is the best way to live. If God is blessing my neighbor, that means God is in my neighborhood. Hallelujah. If God's blessing your neighbor, that means he's in your zip code. And that means you could be next. And that means God could touch you next. If God heals somebody, don't get mad that you're still sick. Just start saying whatever was on them, God, I want you to bless me with that same healing. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. Amen. We're not just a weeping, a weeping church. We're a rejoicing church. Amen. I know some churches, they can only deal with people that are down and out. They can only deal with people when they're broke, but they can't ever elevate people. I want to tell you, the kingdom of God is a redemptive lift. If you come, it doesn't matter how you come in. If, the, if you're really a God-led, a God spirit-led church, you can have people come in from any source, of, any source of background, any lifestyle. Amen. But if you're really a spirit-filled church, you will not keep them there. I know too many places that, that, that testimony service is nothing more than just rejoice about all the bad things I used to do. Amen. It's just a club. I want to tell you, that's not how the church is. Amen. We don't celebrate what we used to do. We thank God that they were not like that anymore. 
I'll never forget somebody got up and testified. They misheard what the pastors they said. They said, well, uh, what did God do for you this last weekend? And they've been saved for about two years. And they said, God delivered me of stealing. And uh, they were singing on the praise team. And he thought, was that this weekend? Amen. And they said, no, no, my bad, I misheard you. But there's some folks that they're like, yeah, I used to go to the club, but they were just one last night. That's not a testimony. It's not a testimony until God brings you out of it. Amen. I want to tell you, it's a testimony You, when you get out of the way you are, the way you think, the way you act. Hallelujah. I used to be mean to people. Well, it's not a testimony if you're still mean to people. <laughs> I used to cuss people out, but if you're still cussing people out, it's not a testimony. You need to let God uh, elevate you and get that redemptive lift that pulls you up out of the muck and out of the mire. And <laughs> Praise God. But there's a spirit of Laban that will get on some folks that, that as, long as, they are, as long as they are ruling over you and controlling over you and they're dictating everything you need to do in life, they, they're happy with it. And, they, and let me just put it this way. Laban don't want to let you go. Laban doesn't want to let you go because Laban benefits off of you. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody said praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 31 verse 51. So Jacob notices that Laban's not favorable towards him anymore. So Jacob does what he does best. Every time Jacob gets in some sort of stress, some sort of struggle, amen, when things are not looking as good as he thinks they should be, he runs. I want you to notice this. This is Jacob's M.O. Every time he doesn't get his way, every time things don't work the way he thinks they should, he runs away from it. But Laban caught him. Amen. And he would have died if it was not for the intervention of God. Verse 51, and Laban said to Jacob, behold this heap and behold this pillar which I have cast betwixt me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, behold this, or I'm sorry, uh, the heap is a witness and this pillar be a witness that I will not pass this heap to thee and thou shalt not pass this heap and this pillar over to me for harm. They made an oath not to cross each other's boundaries. There was no returning to Laban's house. He had burned that bridge. Amen. If he would have just dealt with it and gone to Laban and talked with Laban, he would have had that opportunity to always return. But because he burned that bridge, he was not able to come back to Laban's house. Amen. And, and, and here's where the real challenge gets up. Genesis chapter 32, verse 1. Jacob went on his way. Everybody say his way. He's still trying to go his own direction, make his own path. And the angels of God met him. Thank God for his mercy. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanim. Amen. Verse number 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy... We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee with 400 men. Uh-oh. He's now stuck. He's got Laban's house behind him where he can't go back or Laban's going to kill him. And now he's got angels around him, and he's got Esau coming with a, with a bunch of soldiers. As Jacob is returning toward his homeland, he's crossed over to Canaan, He's got this strange sight. He's got two companies, a heavenly host 
to welcome him home. And then he's got bad news. Esau and 400 armed men coming to meet Jacob. Jacob was fearful, and so he sent waves of peace offerings before unto his brother Esau, hoping to appease his brother. Fear had blinded Jacob to the promise of God that God was going to take care of him and that God was going to be his defense. And because of fear, he is no longer enjoying the power of the covenant. He has no peace. He has no joy. He has no rest. He's Jacob going on his journey, doing things his way. And everywhere he goes, he's trying to make things happen on his own. I want to tell you, this is, this is a pattern. If we're not careful, we will get into this pattern that we don't lean upon God, but we lean upon our own understanding. We don't lean on God's righteousness, but we lean on our own righteousness. We don't lean on God's ability. We lean on our own ability. We don't lean on God's leading. We lean on our own leading. We don't lean on God's spirit. We lean on our emotions. Amen. And we start making things happen, and we're sending things to appease Esau. And we're trying to uh, you know, rob Peter to pay Paul to make sure that we keep everything going the way that we think it ought to be going. Jacob's behavior is like a child coming to his father and begging him, please protect me, please feed me, please shelter me. But he didn't understand this is a heavenly father that if you would just lean on him and trust in him has already promised in his covenant that God would always uphold his end of the bargain. That God would always provide. That God would always protect. That God would always shelter. That God would always defend. I've come to preach to somebody for a moment. There are people, you are praying prayers, and you are begging God to do things he already promised he would do for you. You are anxious and stressed out about things that God already said, don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. I've already got it under my control. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Oh, come on, let's pray. Let's pray all across this house. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't got to beg God to do what God already promised in his word. You just got to trust that he'll take care of what he promised. Amen. Like so many of us, he tries and starts to rationalize his situation through human effort. He divides up his family so that some might survive. That's how some folks live. They live for God like God doesn't really care about them as much as they care about themselves. I want to tell you, God loves you more than you love yourself. God is, God, is, God is more concerned about what you are going through than you are. Amen. God is, you're, you're up at night, you're anxious, you're stressed out, you're depressed, you got all these things going on. Amen. But God is more concerned about your life than you are. God, he said, I take care of the sparrows of the field. Amen. I make sure they got food. I take care of the lilies of the field, and they're, more, they're better clothed than Solomon. Amen. He said, I got all of these things, and you are more valuable to me than many sparrows. You are more valuable to me than all these other things. This is the God that's got the world in his his hand. He keeps the world, amen, rotating and revolving and he keeps the universe in place and gravity is still continuing to pull things to the ground. God's got everything in his hand and in control and we start to think, I've got to control So, because if I don't control it, everything's going to fall apart. But I want to tell you here today, God has never stopped being in control. Can I help somebody? I want to help deliver somebody of anxiety. Let it go. Praise God. Old timers used to say, let go and let God. Can I preach to somebody? You need to let go and let God. You, 
You, you are not God, and it's great to not be God. You are not in control, so stop trying to be in control. you got to let God take care of the things God promised to take care of. You just do what God told you to do, and you let God take care of what you can't take care of. Oh, somebody ought to praise the Lord. Because if not, you become like Jacob. You get in survival mode. And, you know, you lose things when you get in survival mode. You start, you know, it, it hurts your family when you get in survival mode. You start making decisions that are not the decisions God would have you make when you get in survival mode. Notice this. When he sets the camp, the camp out, he sends all of the handmaids and their kids. He sets them forward. You know what that's telling those kids? You're not worth as much. And then he takes the next handmaid, puts her kids over there. Yeah, you're, you're second in line. I like you second best. And then he takes Leah and her kids. He said, I like you third best. And then he holds back Rachel and Joseph. You wonder why they throw them in a pit and they sold them off into slavery. Because they realized the pecking order. That if all, if all else fails, and finally, after he put all the family forward, the Bible says Jacob was left alone by himself. He said, if Esau kills everybody, at least I'll live. Self-preservation will ruin your family. Amen. Self-preservation, trying to make things happen without the help of God by your own power and by your own strength will ruin your family. It will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your kids. I want to tell you, we cannot lean on our own power, and we cannot try to do things by our own strength. We need the help of God. Amen. Somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify the Lord for just a moment. Come on. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to pray. Get out of the driver's seat. Put God back in there. Get out, of, get out of the one that's taking care of and controlling everything because you don't actually have control. Come on, somebody pray. Oh, come on, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Genesis chapter 32 and verse number 24. One of the most pa famous passages of Scripture in the Old Testament. And Jacob was left alone. Again, he put everybody in front. I mean, let me just say this. When you go in self-preservation mode as a man, can I just be very real? I'm not calling anybody this, but you're a coward. Amen. No, nobody here today. Just somebody else, somewhere else in the world. When you go in self-preservation mode, it's I'll let my family suffer, but I'm going to be all right. Let my kids suffer, but I'm going to be all right. It's, it's a cowardly act to do that. God has not called us to be cowards. Amen. God has called us to be men. And all the men said amen. Jacob was left alone, until, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said to him, what is thy name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, thy name shall no, be called no more Jacob but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And he passed over Penuel, and the sun rose upon him, and he halted 
upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the sinew which shrank upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that shrunk. In the solitude of the night, Jacob began to pray. Or at least that's what we call it. That's not what the Bible says. Jacob was not praying in the way that we would call it. It actually reads, he was jumped by, for all my ex-gangsters, or that he jumped an angel himself. Now, I don't know exactly what it was, but we do know an angel, there was two hosts. There was Esau's host, and there was some angels. He recognized the angels, and he recognized Esau, and he decided whether or not the angel attacked him or he attacked the angel. We don't know. But he, 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 regardless, he is now at a wrestling match with, with this angel until the breaking of the day. Many scholars, there's so many theories on this. We don't really know. Uh, but some Jewish scholars said that he was, uh, that, that Jacob was wrestling with his own angel. Amen. Uh, again, that's, that's, that's not in the Bible, so you take it for what it's worth. But uh, that he was wrestling with his own angel, that he was wrestling with himself. Others would say that he was wrestling with God himself or a theophany. We don't really know. All we do know is that there was a wrestling match that was taking place with Jacob. And desperately, Jacob struggled with this angelic visitor. And he declared, I will not let you go until you bless me. Amen. Jacob hang, just hung on with everything that he could. Amen. I want to tell somebody here today, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. But I want to tell you here today, we are not wrestling against one another, but don't take it for granted. We do wrestle. Everyone in this room is wrestling tonight. Everybody in this room is wrestling with something. Everybody in this room is wrestling with an idea. Somebody is wrestling in their mind. Somebody is wrestling in their carnal flesh. Somebody is wrestling in their spirit. But every person is wrestling. Some might be wrestling in their marriage. Amen. Some might be wrestling in their finances. Some might be wrestling in their purpose, in their call. Regardless of what you're wrestling with, everybody's got to wrestle. Everybody's got to have to wrestle in life. You're going to have to fight through, through some things. I, amen. I, I don't know about everybody, but there's some folks of us in the house. We were wrestlers. Amen. Wrestling is not punching. Amen. Wrestling is grappling. It is, it is trying to bring your opponent into submission. It is, it is one of the most strenuous activities you can do. And Jacob, anybody remember what Jacob's name means? It means heel grabber. Amen. Supplanter, heel grabber. Amen. Jacob, who came out of the womb holding on to his brother's ankle. Amen. Is now in a wrestling match with God, with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord's trying to shake him off. And Jacob will not let go. I hope you can see this here tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jacob, who came out of the womb wrestling and holding on to some things and struggling, will not let go of the angel. And he's got one request. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I want to help you here today. Amen. Jacob came out of the womb wrestling with his brother. His whole life he wrestled, amen, with his position in the family. He wrestled with Laban. But now he's an opportunity to wrestle with God. And Jacob refuses to let go. 
Amen. I want to tell somebody here today, amen, that your whole life you have struggled and you have fought and you have not quit and you have not given up, amen, but yet when it comes to the things of God, you feel like quitting, you feel like letting go. I want to help you here today. You, if you held on for less, you ought to hold on for more. If you fought for less, you ought to fight for more. Come on. If you didn't quit drugs, even though you didn't have the money, amen, now that you're broke, don't give up when you're living for God. Amen. If you, oh, I came to preach to somebody. If you held on for less, amen, you ought to hold on for more. If you, if you, would, if you would give yourself for less, you ought to give yourself for more. If you, would, if you would sell, amen, sell for less, you ought to sell out for more that God is offering to you. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on. I just want to preach some grit back into somebody. Amen. What is it? What is it with some folks? Amen. That when they were living for the devil, they had all sorts of tenacity and grit. Amen. But all of a sudden they live for God and they can't make it. Amen. I just can't do it. It's too hard. Amen. You never said that to the drug dealer. Oh, come on, somebody. I can't live for God. They offended me. You never said that to the person that stepped on your toes at the bar. Amen. I want to tell you, you held on for less. You held on for drug addiction and alcoholism. And now when it comes to getting a blessing from God, you want to quit and you want to give up and you want to give in. I want to tell you, God made you for more. Do not settle for less. Don't settle for less in your calling. Don't settle for less in your identity. Don't settle for less in your faith. Don't settle for less in God. Don't settle for less in your convictions. Don't. you got to engage in the wrestling match. Amen. You cannot quit. Amen. You cannot quit, amen, when God is providing. There's moments in life, and it's so interesting how the devil discourages people. They are right on the cusp of the greatest blessing that they've ever received in their life, and he convinces them to give up. Because he knows he cannot beat you, but he can get you to quit. Amen. But Jacob, can I preach to the Jacobs in the house of the Lord that your whole life you've been fighting, you've been struggling. You know, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you here today. Amen. There, there, are, there have been times in my life where I was homeless. There have been times in my life where I couldn't pay the bills. Amen. The, I, I didn't. I, I got ready to move out. Amen. Had, I got a place lined up, and uh, the day I got ready to move out, somebody stole my car that I just paid off. And, uh, and so then I had to move into somebody's basement in the church. Hallelujah. And, and, and I, I've been through that, and then there came times later in my life where I hit a little bump in the road. And I all of a sudden started thinking, you know, I should quit. And I want to tell you, thank God for the Holy Ghost has got a better memory than you do. The Holy Ghost, you know, this is what you got to do. Sometimes you got to go back to Goliath's sword. And remember, you've been through a lot harder things. You've been through a lot more difficult things. Hallelujah. And when I felt like quitting, the Holy Ghost just reminded me, you've been through worse and you pushed through it. Amen. Don't quit when it's, mm. Can I help somebody that's been through harder things than what you're going through right now? You didn't quit then. Why on earth would you quit now? Why would you throw in the towel now? You've been through, you're, you've been through harder seasons. You've been through more difficult trials. Why would you quit now? Amen. You just need the Holy Ghost to remind you sometimes, amen, that you, you have held on for less. Amen. Some of us have held on for lesser blessings. Amen. And God's got a great blessing for us, but we reject it because we're tired of fighting. Amen. Be not weary in well-doing. Regardless, everybody's got to wrestle. Everybody in this building, you're wrestling right now. Some people might be wrestling in their identity. Who am I? Who am I supposed to be? Some are wrestling with their purpose. What am I supposed to be? Some are wrestling with their faith. Do I really believe this? 
Do I really believe this? I want to tell you, it's not wrong to wrestle. I want to help that really get across here today. It's not wrong to wrestle. I want to tell you, it's wrong to quit. It's not wrong to wrestle. It's wrong to give up. It's wrong to quit. Amen. But as long as you're wrestling towards it and you're fighting for it and you're trying to, you're trying to come uh, to, to a resolution where you understand it. Amen. It's a wrestling match. Amen. With God to help you figure out some things. I want to tell you, it's a blessing in your life. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. So we all wrestle. Amen. We all have to be willing to engage in the wrestling match. There will be times in your faith where you're going to not know and you're going to have to wrestle it out. Amen. Away with the idea that I just do what somebody else told me to do 20 years ago or the pastor told me to. Amen. There's going to have to come a day where you wrestle your own convictions down and you get a conviction for yourself. And it says, you know, I'm just doing this because I wrestled this out with God. You know, there was a lot of things I used to believe because my pastor taught me. And I believed it because he believed it. And I think that's a great place to start. But there had to come some moments in the altar when nobody else was around. I had to come down to the church, and I had to pray about it. Do I really believe this? Hallelujah. Do I really believe the apostolic message? Do I really believe the apostolic lifestyle? Amen. And I didn't want to wait until God put me out there in my calling. I want to tell you here today, I'm not wrestling with that now that I'm pastoring. I done wrestled that a long time ago, and God changed my name a long time ago. I know... I know too many, too many men that feel the call of God and they wait and they push off their wrestling match of what they're really supposed to believe and what they're really supposed to be and they wait until another day to believe what they believe. Amen. I want to tell you, that's when people capitulate. That's when people compromise. But if you can say, you know what, I'm not going to shirk my responsibility to wrestle these things out. I'm not going to fight against wrestling this out. I'm going to figure it out. I've seen, I've seen too many people that, well, I'll figure it out one day, and they keep pushing off the wrestling match. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I like it right now. Unfortunately, that's like the seed that gets in the ground and does not let its roots go down deep enough. That's what wrestling looks like. You get your roots down where you say, you know what, I believe this. I believe this. I, I'll never forget, I was wrestling. I was, I was about 19, 20 years old. My father just died, and I was wrestling. Every verse that I had ever memorized started turning on itself. And I started saying, well, maybe we're wrong about this. And maybe, maybe that's not really what that verse means. And the unfortunate side, you know, I know people that can, that can try to debate something, but they don't know any Bible. It's a, little, it's a little different when you're dealing with somebody like that. They just, they just are going off their feelings. It's a little different when you're debating with somebody who actually understands the Bible and they've learned a couple things and they start feeling like they've got a little bit of wisdom. Amen. But wisdom, if you're not careful, I'm not talking about God's wisdom. I'm talking about wisdom of this world. Amen. Will lead you into further foolishness. And you can get on YouTube and you can get on Facebook and you can get on Google and Google will tell you whatever you want to hear. And you can get off in all of these crazy things and it'll lead you into further ungodliness. Or you can say, you know what, God? I'm going to wrestle this down. I'll never forget. I went there. I called, I man, I called up, I called up Brother Prado. I called up other guys and I started uh, other, other men of God that I knew and I started wrestling some things out. I had some good friends in my life. Can I just put an advocate out there for some good friends? Uh, some good friends that were, that were willing to tell me I was wrong and I wasn't thinking straight and I was often in, in the wrong, uh, uh, in the wrong emotion. Uh, and I'll never forget. I went down to the altar and I said, God, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And I started trying to prove things wrong and the Holy Ghost wrestled me down, amen, touched me in a place where I'll never walk the same again. And he said, instead of proving it wrong, why don't you try to prove it right one more time? 
I'll tell you what happened. I got up from that prayer meeting, and I started trying to prove it right one more time, and I haven't been yet to be able to disprove it since. And I walked away a different man. What happened? I got in a wrestling match, and I wouldn't let go. Come on. Don't, don't backslide because you don't understand everything. Don't give up on God just because you don't get it. you got to wrestle it down until you get a conviction. you got to wrestle it down until you find it for yourself. you got to wrestle it down until it gets in your bones like fire. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Oh, come on, let's praise him. Come on. Come on, I don't just believe this because somebody told me it. I found it to be true. His word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Let's stand across the building. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. you got to wrestle. You got to wrestle with what you believe. You got to wrestle with who you are. You got to wrestle with what you're willing to accept in life. You got to wrestle with your purpose. You got to wrestle. You got to wrestle. Amen. You can't just let it fly and let it go. You'll never reach it. You'll never reach it. But if you wrestle, you'll reach it. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, wrestle with it. Amen. Don't don't stop trying to figure it out. Keep wrestling with it. Keep wrestling with it. Amen. You may not understand how God is one, but if you just keep wrestling with it, uh, amen, you'll read in the Bible and you'll find it explicitly there from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelations. Uh, amen. That there's one seated on the throne. Uh, you may not understand repentance, uh, but brothers and sisters, if you'll keep uh, repenting, amen, you'll start getting a revelation. It's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. Uh, you might have to wrestle baptism down, but once you see that there's salvation in no other name uh, but the name of Jesus. Amen. And they were only baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When you wrestle it down, you got it locked down. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you got to be willing to hold on. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody's been wrestling with their faith. I don't even know if God's a healer. You need to wrestle with that until you realize with his stripes we are healed. I don't even know if speaking in tongues is real. you got to wrestle with that until you're so full of the Holy Ghost. You're like Paul. I speak in tongues more than you all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Too many people avoid the wrestling match. You know why? Because they don't really want to know. Amen. I, I, they avoid the wrestling match about convictions because they don't really want to get them. Because they know if I wrestle about it, I'm going to have to walk different. So instead, let's just avoid the conversation. They avoid the wrestling match of doctrine because they really don't want to, if I, if I know it, then I'm going to have to tell somebody about it. Amen. If I really believe, amen, that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I'm not talking about people that quote that, people that really believe that. They understand I have a responsibility to be a disciple maker. Hallelujah. That evangelism and soul winning is not just something I talk about. It's something that is incumbent upon us to do. Because we are the body of Christ. We are sent out as ambassadors to a lost and dying world. But people that have just said, you know, I'm just going to go to church because I like the culture. I like the song. They've never really wrestled it down. But when you really wrestle this thing down, I want to tell you, there's no greater life to live. And when you get up, I want you to notice this. The angel, when he would not let go, he said, what's your name? I want you to remember back. I told you several, several Bible studies back. I don't know if you remember this. When he was asked by his father, what's your name? 
He said, I am Esau. And he got somebody else's blessing. But now God is asking him, okay, Jacob, you've got this far lying and being somebody else. What's your name? What's your identity? You stole your first blessing pretending to be somebody else. That's the first Bible example of identity theft. Hallelujah. He was getting a blessing under somebody else's name. Let me just say this here today. Someone along the lines, you need to get a blessing for yourself. Well, I, I, got, I got a blessing because, you know, the pastor. Listen, praise God, I hope I bless you. But you need to get a blessing under your own name. I got a blessing because my mother and father. I got a blessing because somebody else is, 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 is hanging over me. And every time I'm about to fall, they come in like a net and they swoop me up. I want to tell you, they, they are your blessing. But you can get a blessing beyond somebody else's name. You can get a blessing in your own name. Amen. Somewhere along the lines, you got to get a blessing for yourself. you got to get a blessing in your own name. As the sun rose, the angel of the Lord said, what's your name? And he said, I am Jacob. I'm the one that wouldn't let go, amen, for less than this. So I will not let go until you bless me. And the angel of the Lord said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless Jacob. But here's the greatest blessing, Jacob. I'm going to give you the desire of that blessing. But I'm going to change you from being Jacob, which means deceiver, heel planter, amen, heel grabber, and change your name to being Israel, which means a prince with God. Amen. He said, Jacob, because you were willing to wrestle these things down, he said, I want you to know I'm about to make an entire nation out of you. Amen. That this blessing is going to go beyond you. I want to tell you, the blessing of Esau would only have taken him so far. It took him through Laban's house. It took him through trials. It took him all. It would have gotten him killed by Esau. But when God changed who he was in that moment, all of a sudden now he got a blessing in his own name. God changed his identity. And now when he goes to meet Esau, and Esau's looking to kill Jacob, all of a sudden when Esau sees somebody coming, he says he sure don't walk like Jacob. He sure doesn't talk like Jacob. He sure doesn't live like Jacob. I want to tell you one of the greatest blessings of coming down to this altar is that when, the, when you get up from this altar, you don't have to get up the way you were when you came to it. Come on, somebody. The greatest blessing about wrestling with God is you come in thinking one way and you walk out thinking another way. You come in, amen, acting one way and you leave acting a different way. You come in with one lifestyle, but you walk out with a completely different lifestyle. And all the things that wanted to do you harm when you come up, they say, I'm looking to kill Jacob. You could look at him and say, my name's not Jacob anymore. All the things that were coming against you, you could say, that's who I was. But that's not who I am. Why? Because I wrestled with God about it. I went to the altar and I wrestled with God until he changed my identity. Somebody lift up your hands. I'm done teaching all across this building. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray all across this house. In fact, I want to open up this altar. I'd like everybody to come. Right now is an opportunity. There's, I promise you, everybody's wrestling with something today. Everybody's wrestling with something today. Amen. I want to tell you, don't, don't tap out when it comes to the things of God. Don't quit when it comes to the things of God. Wrestle until you're changed. Wrestle until he blesses you. Wrestle until you've got a blessing with your name on it. Come on, let's pray. Come on, I don't want my, 
I don't want I don't want to have a secondary blessing. I don't want to have amen somebody else's uh, re- revelation, somebody else's convictions. I want to wrestle them down until I got them for myself. I don't want to rely on somebody else to get me through in living for God. I want to I want to be able to have an identity that says I'm a prince that has power with God and with man and I have prevailed. I want to be a prevailing son. I don't want to be somebody who's a dependent son. I don't want to be a son that's always relying on other people's blessings. Amen. But I want to be a son that's prevailing with God. Somebody pray. Come on, you got to wrestle till you get it for yourself. You got to wrestle until you understand it for yourself. You got to wrestle, amen, through prayer. You got to wrestle through the words. You got to wrestle until you get a revelation. Somebody pray. Come on, wrestle until he changes the way you walk. Wrestle until he changes the way you live. Wrestle until he changes the way you talk. Amen. Wrestle until he changes the way you think. Wrestle until he changes your identity altogether. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. That's it. Somebody pray. Jacob, wrestle until he gets rid of your ability to run. Until he gets you rid of running. Hallelujah. Change me. Heal me. Bless me, God. Wrestle until it becomes your identity. Wrestle until it becomes your identity.
Come on, that's it. Somebody easy. Keep praying. Somebody's wrestling today. Come on, wrestle until it becomes part of who you are. Not just what you do. Not just what you say. Not, not, it changes the way you walk. It changes the way you live. It's part of your identity. I'm Israel. I prevailed. I prevailed. Come on, let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you got to wrestle with what you believe. You got to wrestle, amen, with the way you live. You got to wrestle with the way you worship. You got to wrestle until it becomes part of your identity. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to wrestle with God, church. We are in a wrestling match with God. We're in a wrestling match with God, and it, sometimes we gotta we got to wrestle our flesh down to stay in the battle. But I promise you this, when it's all said and done, when you wrestle with God, it changes you. It, and in fact, he's now his name has changed to Israel, which means a prince that has prevailed with God. He wrestled to the point where it became part of his identity. You know, again, it's there's so many things we could talk about, and I just threw out a few, but, you know, do you really believe what you believe? Well, I was raised in the church. That's that's awesome. Praise God for that wonderful testimony. Amen. We thank God for that. But is it really part of your identity? Well, no. Okay, well, you need to wrestle until it becomes part of your identity. I think what we're having in the Apostolic Church, we have an identity crisis. Ah, hallelujah. People don't really know what they are. Are we a charismatic church or an apostolic church? We don't know. Why? Because we never wrestled it down until we figured out what we were. I told somebody, I've told it multiple times, uh, i just been very blunt with them. I said, I'm not trying to build a charismatic church. If that's what you're looking for, I can direct you some places. I'm trying to build, a, I'm trying to build an apostolic church the way, that, uh, the way that men of God built it, man, since the Bible times. <laughs> it just They lived for God. They believed apostolic doctrine, which they got from Jesus. Hallelujah. And it became, you know, we, we've we got to get to the place where it's it's no longer, you know, as Paul talked about or, or whoever wrote the book of Hebrews. He said, when you have need to be, when you should be teaching others, you have need of somebody to teach you the basic principles of the things of God. I think we all need to keep learning, right? But there's some folks that they, they know enough that they should be teaching others, but they have not yet let it become part of their identity. So they need somebody to keep bottle feeding them. I want to tell you, that is, a, that is an epidemic in the apostolic church. And ARC, I want you to know, you are in a teaching church. 
Hallelujah. We're going we're gonna to shout. We're going to huck a buck. We're going to do all that because we believe in praise and worship as well. Amen. But we're not just going to have high church, amen, that's just a bunch of ice cream. Amen. We're going to make sure that when you come down off the mountain that you know what you believe, that you believe it, and that you live it out. This is a teaching teaching place, a teaching church where you can learn and you make it part of who you are so that when you get there, you no longer, hey, listen, if it's part of your identity, you, you, if you don't know what it takes for somebody to be saved, repentance, water baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, amen, I want to tell you, you got to wrestle with that. Wrestle it down. Wrestle it down until the questions people ask you don't shake you. They don't shake you. Amen. When you talk about being a one God believer that is all the way through the Bible, I want to tell you, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to believe in one God. I think anybody that believes uh, anything else is just weird. Amen. I, I really do because you, you just open up the first verse in the Bible. It says, in the beginning, God. Singular. Singular. The first one to introduce the idea of multiplicity of gods was the devil in Genesis chapter 3. James 2.19 says, thou believest that there is one God. You are doing well. The devils also believe and they tremble. Come on, somebody. We're not ashamed. It's part of our identity. But some people, they, they, they skirt around the issue because it's not part of their identity. It's just part of their, their statement of faith. I want to say, ARC, make what we have, what the Bible says, make what we teach and preach, make it, wrestle it down till it's part of your identity. Hallelujah. An apple tree brings forth, come on, we got an A-plus student. Taught her myself. Praise God. Amen. A good tree brings forth good fruit. So it goes down to you making it your identity and what will come out of you. Amen. If you, are, if you are somebody who just goes to an apostolic church, that don't mean nothing. But if you make it part of your identity, amen, I want to tell you what kind of fruit you're going to produce. It's going to be biblical, apostolic fruit, miracles, signs, and wonders. These signs shall follow them that believe. Believe is not just what they do. It's their identity. Oh, somebody ought to lift up your hands and let's magnify the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you here today. We thank you, God, that you've helped us. Lord, there, everybody in this building is wrestling with something. Everybody's wrestling. Some are, some are wrestling to get out of addiction. Some are wrestling to get out of sin. Some are wrestling with what they, what they believe. Some are wrestling with how they live. Some are wrestling with what to do with their time. Amen. What they should do. Amen. In the kingdom of God. Some are wrestling with their identity and their purpose. But God, regardless of all of that, I pray, God, that you would help us as we wrestle. That in the process of wrestling, you would touch us. In the process of wrestling, you would change us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them a great big God bless you. Amen. One more announcement. One more announcement. This Sunday is our vision giving pledge service. Now this might be the first for some of you. But every year we pledge as a church. Um, individually we have pledge cards. That for the next 12 months from the. Everybody listening? From the end of. From, from February to February. So basically March 1st to March 1st. 12 months what you would commit to give to the, to the vision fund, that is towards our building program, because um, we want to buy a facility, but it takes money. The Bible says money answereth all things, and I believe that God will multiply what we give him, but we have to put it in his hands. And so I, I really believe this is an incredible moment. If you want to bring what you feel like God's laid on your heart and you have it available, you can, you can bring it all then and there. But if you just feel like, I, I just want to pray about what God's telling me to give and then write it on the pledge card, you just, you just write it down. But I want to tell you, this is one of the most spiritual services of the year.
I really encourage, bring somebody that needs the Holy Ghost. Bring somebody that needs salvation. Bring somebody that needs deliverance. Bring somebody that, it, it's going to be absolutely incredible because when people gather together to sacrifice unto the Lord, I really believe great things happen. And so I really want to encourage everybody to come. And, and, and for all of those that are going to be pledging this year, I want to I want to encourage you to pray about it and just say, God, what would you speak to us? Husbands and wives, pray about it and then confer one with another and talk about what the Lord has laid on your heart. And uh, I believe if God laid it on your heart, God's going to provide for it and God's going to bless you. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. God bless you in Jesus' name.